That's perfect, I think. Let's try it again. Hey, yo, hey, hey, there we go. All right, awesome. cool. All right, man. So uh, we, we do this thing on the show where we like, we clap to sync up the oh, yeah. the audio and the video. Yeah. But uh, we also usually have mic stands. Uh, so <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, there, there we go. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Kentucky Commons Radio Hour. I am not in Louisville, I am not at Brewgrass Home Brew Supply. Uh, I'm here in Denver, Colorado at Bear Brewing. Uh, I, I don't have John, Ronane, or David Satterley with me, but uh, I am happy to be joined uh, by uh, Tristan Chan uh, from PorchDrinking.com. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, man, you, you, you've made so much like time out of your day to, to do this podcast. Oh, no, us, I so love this. Love re- this stuff. Really appreciate it. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but we are, we're also experimenting, and I, as, I, as I noticed that uh, I am just now pressing record on the video function. <laughs> uh, so if you want to watch this on our Patreon, you can do so at, cool. KY, at uh, patreon.com slash kycommons. Uh, you know, because why not? You you, you want to you want to see our faces yeah. when we're doing this, as we're doing, as we're as we're drinking our beers. Should I have. make funny faces throughout, just so that the people on Patreon can fully appreciate the experience? If you like, Jim the camera a little bit, like, <laughs> like I think that would be, that'd be appreciated. Uh, we'll do a mockumentary office style. So, um, yes. yeah, man. So uh, we'll, we'll get to a little bit in your background here in a second. But uh, you you brought some beers out to the table. I appreciate that. Do you, do you know what it is, what we're drinking right now? Yeah, so we're drinking a Mexican lager from Bear Brewing here in Denver, Colorado. Um, Bear Brewing is located along the South Broadway kind of beer corridor. Um, lots of really killer breweries down this way. You've got True Brewing. You've got Novel Strand. You've got um, Black Project down farther south. Ratio Beer Works just opened up their second location down this way. So it's really kind of come into its own in becoming a real like kind of – there are many, many different beer neighborhoods in, in Denver, but this is definitely one of the better ones. You know, I, I feel like I come here, uh, you know, fairly often, not as often as I, as I used to. Sure. But even in a three, four months span, uh, I, I'm just blown away by the changes in each neighborhood every time. I mean, yeah. the, the Rhino neighborhood where the first ratio location is, yep. I don't even recognize it anymore based on I don't like either. <laughs> I used to work for Ratio, and, um, you know, when I first joined the team there about... I guess that was probably about six years ago. We were worried that folks would cross um, Broadway uh, over on the north side to actually come into Rhino. And now it's literally jam. It's probably one of the busiest areas of town. And so um, even, even in the two years since I've left Ratio, there have been so many new uh, restaurants and breweries and shops that have come into the area. It's really very unrecognizable. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, well, yeah, so you, as you mentioned, you used to work for Ratio. Why don't you just walk us through a little bit about your background, where you're from, and how you came into what you're doing today? Totally, yeah. I'm, so I was born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky. So, uh, you know, obviously I have so much love for anything and everything Kentucky-related. Uh, go Cats. And um, I went to Henry Clay High School. I tell people uh, that aren't familiar with Kentucky that Henry Clay High School's mascot was the great compromisers, which is a total lie, but uh, uh, just to see if people actually know their history. Um, 
No, we were blue. The Blue Devils, of course. But uh, no, I uh, I moved out here in 2009. I started a term. I came out here to do a term with AmeriCorps. And for those who are who aren't familiar with AmeriCorps, it's kind of like the Peace Corps, but in the U.S. So you're you're essentially dedicating a year of service um, to working with a nonprofit organization and helping them to grow their capacity. And so uh, during that term, you're paid less than minimum wage, so that all that so that you could better understand the communities that you're serving. Mm-hmm. And so all we could afford to do on the weekends was to visit breweries like New Belgium and Odell that still offered free tasters at the time. So that's kind of how I fell in love with craft beer. And, and what what year is that exactly? Just that was 2009. Okay. Yeah. So you've been out here since? Have you? Did you move back? No. Nope. I've or? been out here ever since. I uh, fell in love with the state of Colorado, um, and you know, obviously fell in love with craft beer through that experience. And and I really wanted to figure out a way that I could give back without actually doing the brewing because don't have any of the science background. You know, that's that's not. I don't have the patience to brew. Uh, you know, don't have the accuracy, uh, more of a cook than an actual baker. And go. so um, decided to, you know, utilize my skills, which was, uh, lear- I, you know, I was a writer by trade. I was a journalism major in college and decided to start porchdrinking.com, which, you know, at the time there were a lot of websites that already existed that where you, you know, rated beers or ranked beers. And so we didn't want to do any of that. Uh, our focus was to tell great stories about the craft beer industry and, and really to make beer fun and approachable. Um, you know, at the, at the time, there was a website that existed called Grantland. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, Bill Simmons, uh, you know, great prolific sports writer. And, and, you know, he had such a talent, a knack for, you know, talking about sports through the lens of pop culture and music and all these different, you know, fun, approachable things. And we kind of wanted to do something similar, talking about beer, uh, through, you know, talking about pop music, pop culture, and sports through the lens of craft beer. So, so that's kind of how Porch Drinking started, and um, you know, we've grown to over 100 writers all across the country. And this, yeah, this is the first time I've ever heard you say that Bill Simmons was kind of like an influence on. Oh, on totally. What you do. Bill Simmons Which, and, and obviously Kentucky Sports Radio. I mean, um, I I was uh, also influenced by Bill Simmons. If you hear Matt Jones, exactly, about. Yeah. exactly. And you know, it's funny because when I was in high school, and I think even in middle school. I started out as a moderator for uh, a, at the time, very prolific uh, Kentucky Kentucky basketball or Kentucky sports uh, message board. You know, I was I was a middle schooler and uh, among like probably like five or six moderators who were all probably in their late fifties or sixties, and the only other young guy was like my boss at the at, at Shilto Pool, who kind of got me into this uh, whole weird bizarre world of message board writing and and you know that was an early influence on kind of like the creating this sense of community through the internet internet yeah. and so um yeah I, f- I fell in love with ksr early on i interned with uh, wlex under ryan lemond in the sports department um i i i like to tell people that i was one of the the first people that introduced ryan to ksr oh. because we actually um cited i think when oh who was it i can't remember one one of the one of the guys. I think it was DeAndre Liggins had committed to Kentucky, mm-hmm. and I was an intern at the time. And I was reading KSR, and I was like, "Dude, this this just happened. Like, we should cite it on the evening news tonight." And he was like, "Sure, go ahead." And, and what is like, it? <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, what is this?" But but we he dug, he dug a little deeper. and He's like, "All right, cool, let's run with it." So yeah, it's really funny. I, yeah. mean, I don't I don't want to talk about KSR too much, but I was just listening sure. to the show uh, earlier this week, and I guess. Yeah. Uh, to put a, a context about time and influence, Ryan Lemon has been a co-host of KSR for about 10 years now. Yeah, totally. Uh, and and they, they just celebrated that fact on it's the nuts. show. So yeah. that means that 10 years ago, you were influencing Ryan Lemon <laughs> to 
to kind of get to know the KSR sure. crew. Sure, sure. Um, that's yeah, awesome. and, and coincidentally enough, Porch Drinking is celebrating its 10-year anniversary. Uh, we, we actually just celebrated it last month. And, um, you know, awesome. I, I'm, I do, I'm, I don't know if you're cool with it, but I, I'm excited to, to share some exciting news about our 10-year anniversary Please. in that we are currently in planning of launching our first major beer festival, uh, the week of the Great American Beer Festival. Um, it's going to be Wednesday, October 5th. And that'll be our porch drinking ten year anniversary party slash beer festival. That's so. awesome! What, you heard what, it here first. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what? So what? I mean, now that we're on the converse, that topic of conversation, like, what? Where is it going to be? And do you have an event place that you can talk about? Totally. Yet? Yeah. So it's going to be in the same complex as Cohesion Beer, uh, which Hell is yeah. a, a really killer lager producer uh, that just started about two a year ago. Um, and we're really good friends with those guys. They make phenomenal lagers, Czech style lagers. And um, they connected us with the the kind of complex that they're based out of. Yeah, I mean, if you're into the um, into like the the real esoteric nature of Pilsner Raquel, yes, then go to Cohesion because totally. that's that's where I went on my last visit here, and I was blown away. And in fact, I don't. I, this isn't going to be a big brewery trip for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make some some time on Sunday to check out my usual spots, our mutual friend Ratio. Yep. Uh, but I am going to go out of my way to check out uh, Cohesion because it's become a new favorite. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you for, for a lot of people who may not be, like, diehard into beer, you might be like, oh, well, like, what can you do with just, just as being a lager brewery? But there has there's such a diversity of different lager styles and also different approaches and techniques, and these guys have really dialed it in very quickly. So um, I very much recommend anybody who comes to Denver check out Cohesion. It's, a bit, it's still a little under the radar right now, so you can get in before it gets too crazy. But uh, their stuff is absolutely out of this world. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was thinking about going to GABF. I wasn't sure if I could get in. Uh, but regardless, maybe I'll have to just come back for the for the 10-year anniversary. Party. Absolutely. We'll have a ticket for you. Um, so you're, you're from Kentucky. I'm a Kentuckian. Uh, ironically, I've hung out with you in Kentucky like twice maybe. Yeah. And I, I never met you in that context. I met you in the context of being out here in Colorado. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, I, you've been a great friend to me over the years. Yeah. I mean, now that I've been coming out here a little bit more regularly. And I know whenever you're in Kentucky, we try to try to meet up at least once or twice. Totally. Um, but tell us about a little about, so you're celebrating 10 years with, with porch drinking. Um, how has that landscape changed? Let's say in the last five years on sure. the social media influencer portion too, because everybody's kind of writing in their own way. Now they might not have a blog platform to share it on, but they're writing in their own way. They're totally. sharing videos and pictures. How has that influenced porch drinking over the years? Yeah, no. Um, you know, it's it's funny when we started. Um, a majority of our staff were former journalists, uh, or you know, still journalists that were interested in beer casually, and you know, having to learn more on the beer side than actually learning at, from the writing side of things. I feel like over the past five, six years or so, you know, we're seeing a lot more people, like you said, coming from like the beer inf- influencer side. Um, you know, casually starting their own blogs or or even just like bl- blogging about beer through like Instagram and Facebook posts. And, you know, we've been very thoughtful about embracing that because it doesn't really matter what platform you're utilizing. As long as you're able to capture the spirit of the beer, make it relatable, make it interesting, you know, go beyond the fact that, you know, every single brewery owner started as a home brewer. Um, you know, we, we want to hear the story. started in a garage. Did you know <laughs> Ex- that? Exactly. We want to hear 
you know, interesting stories. We want to hear what makes the brewery unique, what makes it special, what, what do they specialize in, different approaches, um, you know, how beer is fun, you know, why, why beers get their names. And so I think people who have that kind of foresight, we're always interested. And, and what's also unique is that, you know, we, we're still very much a passion project. Uh, we do have a pretty extensive staff all across the country, but, you know, not, this is not the full-time job for any of us. And, um, you know, we're still continuing to try to grow it and, and you know, eventually get to that point. But um, with it being kind of still kind of a, a you know, hobbyist type approach, we're able to quickly tell if folks have an eye for photography, yeah. which is very important when it comes to blogging for us because, you know, an article that has a, a really bad picture taken on, on a you know old iPhone with no lighting is not going to get any views no matter how well written it is sure. versus someone who you know has an eye for photography might take a little time to frame the shot better or or find a good backdrop for it you know that that's going to make an instant impression and, and get people interested in what the beer is and, and finding out more about it so um, by doing some recruiting over Instagram and, and uh, independent beer blogs we're able to quickly tell if they have the eye for photography. Um, and if not, we can help with coaching a little bit. But, but then we can also kind of get a better gauge for their writing when they submit a sample piece. I love it. I'm going to yeah. put you on the spot here for a sure. second. Uh, so this is my first time at, at Bear Brewing. I did a little bit of research. And by research, I meant, mean that I sat up at the bar for about 10 minutes. And I found out that they are celebrating their eighth anniversary. Yes. Uh, but in your in your porch drinking voice, tell me a little bit about bear drinking or bear brewing and like what it makes them interesting. Yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned that they're celebrating eight years, which is really impressive. Um, you know, at the time they were one of the handful of breweries that were around Denver when it really when the boom really started happening. And so I think they're one of the more underrated breweries in the city. Um, you know, we're, we're located in a strip. This, this place is located in a strip mall. Um, and so it doesn't, it's pretty unassuming. Um, they make really well-balanced beers. They do a, a wide diversity of flavors, um, and they do them really well. And so nothing is too, too flashy. So you're not going to see it, you know, you're not going to have beer geeks like geeking out over it about trades and, and whatnot. And I think they only just recently started canning during the pandemic. And so, um, one of the things that I love about them is it's just, you know, really, really good people who work here and they really care about the beer. They really care about just like experimenting and trying fun stuff, but also doing it really, really well and not, you know, having to worry about the pretense of, of, you know, appeasing the masses. So sure. Yeah, no, it is really funny. I mean, I've, I've noticed this place, uh, on my past visits, I've never really gone in because I was just like, well, I don't know. I mean, there's so many breweries in Denver. It's, it's hard for me just to walk into a random one sure. and, you know, use that time wisely. Mm -hmm. And so I admit the, um, so sometimes like just passing going through the like this the, the broadway corridor i'm just like well i don't know if i'm gonna stop there this time or totally not. so thank you for influencing yeah me absolutely and, and try it out myself you know they and i love that they do uh really really killer ipas um <laughs> they also they also have some uh, phenomenal lagers like we're drinking this mexican lager right here and then they also get to do some fun really experimental stuff they'll like one of the beers that we had earlier used cab franc uh grapes um, they use Law's Whiskey Barrels to barrel-age some, some smaller batch beers. You know, they really do uh, love to experiment, but all of it, all of their exper experimental stuff are really just taproom release only. So, yeah. yeah. So, so you mentioned a, a 10-year anniversary for porch drinking and the party and the festival planning. And, like, that's a lot of work. We're kind of 
on the Louisville Ale Trail side, we're starting to look into that ourselves sure. under different um, licensing, and or rather um, like SB 11 laws that we call it back in Kentucky, self-distro, things like that. Yep. Um, but what else is like going on in the future of Port Strength that you're really excited about? Totally. So we are um, undergoing a significant site redevelopment right now. Um, if you've been to the website, you'll probably you probably have noticed that our homepage has remained pretty much the same for a very long time. It's a really cluttered tile approach, which we're hoping to very simplify and 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 make it more easily navigatable. Um, and so the homepage is the first significant change, but we're also moving towards. Um, focusing in on state-by-state -state pages as well. So from the main page, you'll have sub-pages that, that will cover the specific beer scene in each state in the U.S. Um, it's going to be an organic growth. We're going to start with Colorado and then eventually build up as we build up our teams in other states as well. But the idea there is I can't count the number of times that I've been to a beer group and seen like, hey, I'm traveling to Chicago for the weekend. You know, what breweries should I visit? Or, you know, hey, I'm going to Louisville. What beer festivals are happening this weekend? And so we're hoping to create kind of a, a one-stop shop for all of that all across the U.S. Um, you know, each subpage is going to have a map at the top where you can see every single brewery in the state, but you'll also be able to filter by best IPA producers, best uh, beer bars, bottle shops, etc. All that will be curated by our team. And then underneath it, you'll have all the relevant beer news, features, etc. And a section for upcoming beer releases, uh, beer festivals, and, you know, the newest breweries that have opened in that area. I love that. And I feel called out right now because I only belong to two beer groups on Facebook. One is in Louisville and one is Let's Talk Craft Beer Colorado yeah, or whatever. Yeah, totally. And uh, before my visit here, I was like, hey, Craft Beer Colorado people, uh, what's, what's open in the last, like, I mean, Four it's, months that I haven't. it's important. It really is like that. You know, that's why we, you know, it, you know, it, we were pushed to, to move in this direction and become more of a resource for beer drinkers because, you know, the beer scene is always changing. There's always going to be new fun breweries to check out. And we, we just want to provide a platform for people to discover those. So to that point, I'm going to be here until Sunday evening. I have some time on Sunday for some brewery hopping. Sure. Are there any ones that have opened in the last few months that are just really standing out to you? Oh, man. Um... I mean, Ratio's Overland location is great. Um, you know, it's right down South Broadway, like I said, um, kind of near where the Law's Whiskey House Distillery is. Um, it took over the former Declaration Brewing spot. Um, I'm trying to think of any others. Uh, Flight Co. Brewing is about to open up their second location in a former air co traffic control tower. Unfortunately, that's not open yet, but um, it will be opening up in the next month. And uh, they're, a, they're a fun aviation-themed brewery because two of the three owners uh, are, are pilots and, um, and former you know, aviation engineers. And so uh, it's just really cool from a brand standpoint that they were able to find this iconic uh, air traffic control tower that used to be the, air the main air traffic control tower for the Stapleton Airport here in, in Denver. And, and now it's become their second brewery location. So um, that's pretty exciting as well. Um, as far as other new breweries, you kind of put me on the spot, but I mean, Cohesion is still one of the younger ones that sure. I think. And then also right down the street, well, I know that you're going to be attending the Underground Music Showcase this week. Oh, we'll um, talk about that for sure. Yeah, but uh, I, I've got to show so much love to our friends at Novel Strand. They are one of the best under-the-radar breweries that I think a lot of people may not have heard of here in Denver, but... Tamir is producing some of the most inventive and experimental hop forward beers. Um, he also does really great wild fermentation stuff on occasion. Um, but, you know, all of their beers up and down are, are super, super well thought, thought out. Um, he, he collaborates often with folks like Beerstadt Lagerhouse um, to, to better 
improve his lager recipes. Mm -hmm. He's just a very forward-thinking brewer, and I, I really love the beers that he's pr producing. All right, I know where I'm going then. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Um, so you talked a little bit about Laws, already mentioned it. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about what you what your other job is. Sure. Yeah, so, um, you know, the pandemic hit, and uh, like much of the country, I was furloughed from my, my gig at Ratio. Still have all the love for the team there. It was, a, it was a very smart business decision at the time. But I had already kind of been thinking about the idea of, you know, taking what I learned as a marketing manager at Ratio and being able to offer those services to other breweries, distilleries, and cideries. And so I decided to start my own marketing consulting firm called The Porch Collective, which is a, you know, a nod to what I created with porch drinking, um, but very much its own entity. And so um, I primarily focus on PR, uh, social media consulting and strategy, uh, marketing strategy, and partnerships. And um, you know, in the, in the last two years, I've been able to work with some really incredible clients like Laws Whiskey House, Stem Ciders, uh, Boulder Beer, Weldworks Brewing, uh, New Image Brewing, uh, Call to Arms, um, and and it's looking like we're going to start working with uh, Westbound and Down here very soon as well. So that's a that's a killer list of, yeah, of places totally. that you just mentioned. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I went to Weldworks Agrilia on Wednesday, yep. uh, and I I never really make my way up there, so I was, I was happy to return for sure. They were so awesome. They were so nice. Such great people. Like I, I really say, like you know, one of the things that I love about Weldworks the most, you know. A, they produce incredible, incredible beer. Uh, one of the best barrel aging programs in the country, in my opinion. Uh, also, their Juicy Bits IPA is one of the more iconic hazy IPAs in the country as well. But beyond that, um, it's you know the two founders are s just some of the best people I've ever met. And then they've also built just an incredible work culture, really taking care of their employees, uh, really fostering community among their employees, and offering really, really great benefits and opportunities to grow. And so I think that's, an, that's something that a lot of people don't think about on the surface, but I've been in really bad, you know, toxic work environments before, and this is the farthest from it that I've ever seen. So let's, uh, let's talk about laws for, for a second, though, sure. because, uh, you know, we're both from Kentucky. We talk about whiskey a lot. Totally. One of the things <laughs> that I, I do appreciate about Denver is that it's, or Colorado really at large, is the beverage culture at large what's not just beer even though it's clearly a, ahead of most states on beer but there's a lot of whiskey there's a lot of spirit like a lot of distilleries out there are doing different things that are really cool i mean i, I used to work with a few of them uh state 38 and golden yep. 291 down in in uh the Colorado springs. springs yep um I, I know my my former employer is working with archetype down on broadway as well just oh, right nice. down the street um so it is it's a good place for distilleries too so Talk a little bit about that, the dichotomy of coming from, you know, quote unquote, bourbon country in Kentucky to sure. this, this rising spirits culture in Colorado. You know, I think what makes Colorado so special is that they embrace kind of this craft mentality. Um, you know, Denver very much, even 10 years ago, still felt like kind of a, a little bit of a, a, a dustier kind of um, sleepy cow town, so to speak. You know, when I first moved out here in 2009, it was a completely different scene than it is now. Over the past uh, 12, 15 years, it has really, really blown up. But it's always had kind of that Wild West feel. And I think that has been such a, you know, an underlying factor into why this craft spirits and craft beverage scene has, has really exploded because the people here embrace, you know, drinking culture and, and, and in, a, in a healthy way too. And so, 
Um, you know, a lot of these bre- distilleries that have popped up in recent years have obviously been influenced by Kentucky. And um, our, our founder, uh, Alan Laws, very much so as well. He actually um, had, a, had a tutor who was uh, a prolific distiller out in Kentucky. I'm drawing a blank on his name now. And so he kind of really l- took the reins from, from what he learned from him and brought it here to, to his approach towards starting Laws Whiskey House. Um, you know, Laws Whiskey House really prides itself on kind of a, a no shortcuts approach. And so um, they were the first bottled and bond uh, distillery, uh, first distillery out here in Colorado to produce a bottled and bond bourbon, a bottled and bond uh, rye, rye whiskey, a bottled and bond malt, and, uh, and, and a bottled and bond wheat as well. So they really do take the time, attention, and care to uh, let the whiskey, you know, mature to the age that they feel actually represents the spirit that they want to release. Um, they, they really only focus on whiskey. They, they didn't take the route, which I'm not begrudging other distilleries for doing this, but they didn't start with a gin or anything like that. Sure. Um, they waited four years to open up their, their distillery after the first, you know, that's, that's so much money down the drain too. Just right away. That's so hard to do. But I think that because of that they're they've become one of the most well-respected distilleries out here in Colorado. You've shared the the rye with me before. That was yeah. that was very good. Uh, I actually already looked up their hours on Sunday. So honestly, I think they open at noon on Sunday. Sure. So I will be going because uh, nice. I haven't been there on site before. So I'm, I'm excited. well. After this, I'll set you. I'll I'll set you up with a tour so that you, we can get you in for the full experience. Oh, all right, that, yeah. that sounds that sounds good to me. I appreciate it. Uh, what what is the relationship like though between the distilleries here and their their brewery neighbors? Oh, it's it's a great relationship. I mean, oftentimes distillers are are drinking beer, uh, you know, off hours, during hours, uh, and, and vice versa as well. You know, like um, here at Bayer, for example, they've got a really, really close relationship with Laws. Um, you know, because they become such close friends, you know, they'll often get barrels that don't go out to other breweries or, or you know, other places that we source our, our barrels after we use them. Um, and so, you know, that, that sort of relationship is very symbiotic. And uh, and all the breweries throughout throughout uh, the Denver area and Colorado area, um, they they love using each other's barrels. They love learning from each other. They love sharing beers and and, and whiskey back and forth. And I I think it's just it speaks to how how collaborative you know this industry is as a whole. No, I I, I love that. And that's um, you know Louisville is a pretty young brewery scene. Sure, it's it's awesome. It's growing. The trajectory is there. But we've always been a distillery town, and more specifically, a bourbon whiskey town. Um, and so it, it is, there's the culture of while there's respect, I don't, I don't see a lot of spirits, people intermingling with sure. the beer people there. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things is that the distillery, the distillery scene really started coming up at around the same time and maybe a little after the, the brewery scene started exploding. And so I think there is this kind of mutual sense of like, Hey, we're in it together. Um, you know, a lot of the people end up working for, for the same, you know, crossing over to different industries. You know, our, our barrel manager, James Coons, uh, brewed at, at a number of different breweries before coming over to, to Laws. And so, you know, there's a lot of crossover there, but also just like going through the same struggles, going through the same kind of spirit of experimentation as well. You know, we've been doing a lot of special finish uh, releases where we'll rest our, our uh, four grain bourbon in a... Uh, different kind of spirits barrel. So we've done, you know, Curacao wheat, we've done uh, Armagnac, brandy, apple brandy. All of these will, we'll, you know, we'll take our base bourbon and then rest it in 
this experimental barrel for an extra year to soak in some of those additional flavors to actually sorry accentuate um, the the whiskey that we currently have in there and so that's very similar to the approach that a lot of brewers take out here of like saying like hey how can we you know tweak this just a little bit or how can we you know make this a little bit more interesting and so there's just a lot of you know great crossover in, in that kind of approach amazing yeah. um, so you've been out here since 2009 like I said I mean the, the, the beer scene in Kentucky is still quite young and, and <coughs> at that point you know against the grain wasn't even open yet in Louisville I mean uh, BBC was around um, but it, it's it's changed quite a bit since you've been gone sure what is I'm always curious, like especially since you're, you're from there. But what is your perception and your thoughts on Kentucky's beer scene at large? Not just Louisville, but like yeah. Kentucky's beer scene at large. From well, I always tell people it's a super underrated beer scene as well. Um, you know, you have kind of the you know Nashville gets a lot of love just because there's so many people who visit there for bachelor parties or bachelorette parties, and it's you know it's very very much matured because of the kind of um, tourism aspect of it. But when you look over at what what you know West Six has created, what Against the Grain has created, what what Country Boy Brewing has created, those are three incredibly strong breweries that have grown regional reaches. That is unlike any others that I've seen from a state of that size. I, I mean, I, I I always like to use this as an example, but like within their first three or four years, Against the Grain opened up a uh, tap room and brewery in Japan. Yeah, like insane. And I, I know that they recently purchased a music venue and are really forward thinking and kind of how they're growing their their reach and, and being creative and how, you know, they're diversifying their business plan. Um, and, and also, you know, I have so much love for the hometown guys. You know, Country Boy Brewing was the first brewery showcase that we featured on Porch Drinking. Oh, nice. um, you know, to see that they've been able to grow their distribution footprint as wide as they have to be able to open their Georgetown facility similar with West six, you know, it's, it's really unbelievable. And I feel like it flies a little under the radar, uh, in terms of the rest of the country, because, you know, the state of Kentucky is so much more well known for whiskey. And so the focus is on whiskey, but the beer scene is just as strong. Yeah. And you know, the, 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 these people from out of town and sometimes in the state itself, they'll go on these, these, uh, distillery tours and they have, you know, a, a van taking them all different places. Sure. But these, these tour groups are always doing a good job of taking them to breweries in between places because yeah. you're not drinking whiskey all day. Sure. You're drinking Absolutely. beer as well. You're drinking obviously water. Um, have you, uh, when was the last time you were in Kentucky? Um, Oh man. Um, I, like I, I believe I was back there last year, uh, briefly. Oh yeah. I was back there for the Kentucky LSU game. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I don't think you've had a chance to go to the West six Nulu location yet. Right? Not yet. It, it's incredible. And yeah. so to that point with West six, they're, they're still very much um, still within Kentucky in the state lines. Like they have not left, but totally. they, they are focusing everything on being, you know, from, from Pikeville to Paducah, that brewery. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're a slight addendum with like Cincinnati because they're a distributor in Cincinnati and their Northern Kentucky location there, but whatever. It's yeah. all within the state. Totally. Um, so it's, it's just really funny though, to see people from the outside of, of Louisville look at Louisville and say, Hey, we want to be there too. So they op West six opens up a tap room there. Uh, pivot from Lexington they're about to open up a tap room there but the one that really surprised me and you actually just came from this place was Highwire about a year ago yeah when they looked at Louisville and said hey we need a tap room in Louisville as well yeah you know Highwire is really is going to be a really interesting case study I think in a few years because you know we just saw this with modern times um, you know obviously they had 
a number of different factors that ended up uh, dooming them to, to forcing them to have to sell to, to Maui Brewing. Um, but, you know, they were one of the first breweries that really said, hey, we're going to take this uh, approach of putting taproom locations all across the country and, and various different locations. And I think Hirewire is prescribing to that as well. Now, whether that will succeed will be a different story because I think, you know, like I said, there are a number of different factors that doomed modern times and not just overextending. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I am always wary of breweries who are too ambitious in opening up, you know, massive locations in, in other cities and states. Um, you know, one of the biggest things there is, you know, the, the landscape of craft beer is constantly shifting. We saw this with Stone Brewing. Uh, you know, they're, they're having issues right now and they ended up selling. Um, you know, New Belgium opened up a massive facility. Uh, you know, Deschutes as well. A lot of these big, big boys, the, you know, the OG folks in craft beer really overextended when uh, at, at the wrong time, when the shift from West Coast IPAs shifted over to hazy IPAs and they weren't able to, to keep up with that trend shift. And so with Highwire, I think it's a little different because they have such a diversity of different styles. Um, but a lot of times people do really want to embrace their local breweries and and in many markets, they can be averse to another brewery coming in saying like, "Hey, sure. we're gonna we're gonna come to your market and, and bring our own beer and and do things differently." Um, and so, it, I would say to any brewery that takes that approach, you really have to focus on being authentic and, and tied into the local community. Otherwise, you're going to be seen as an outsider. It, it is really funny because when we when when Highwire first came to Louisville, we on. That with Louisville Ale Trail, wanted to include them into the passport sure. because we think that's important. They 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 were putting dollars into our city. And yeah, like, you're part of the beer scene. Like people are influenced by you. We want you to be part of us. And they, uh, you know, uh, apparently in some of these other locations where they do go in, they aren't treated the same way. They ah. they're kind of shunned for lack of a better word sure. by not being part of the same scene in that way. Yeah. Um, I I agree with you. Uh, I, I would scratch my head at the notion of high wire or anybody on the East Coast opening up a location like, you know, in in California. Like, that, would, sure. that wouldn't make sense. Because that, to me, like, everywhere uh, with Highwire, it's still drivable. Like, yeah. Asheville, it's slightly different than, obviously, Louisville, Kentucky. But it's still within a five-and-a-half-hour drive. Yeah. So it's very much, we're all there. And if you keep that radius, I think you can kind of keep your, your company culture to an extent. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but let's talk a little bit, though, about... Those trends that you mentioned, you were talking about uh, not being able to keep up with hazy IPAs. This is something that I always like to kind of talk a little bit on, on the podcast when we bring it up. It's just general industry news. And one thing, as I was scrolling through Twitter today, really uh, struck my eye was a, a tweet from Brian Roth, if you're familiar with him, obviously. Uh, and it had to do with Hard Mountain Dew. <laughs> I did, of the things that I thought I would talk about today, talking about Hard Mountain Dew is not one of them. Well, I'm, I'm happy to, to bring that uh, curveball to you. Uh, but I don't know if, if you saw... That's so Bullet County. <laughs> That's so Bullet County. Shout out Shane and the dude. <laughs> um, but no, apparently, uh, as far as chain retail sales go, sure. Uh, Hard Mountain Dew is, I guess, for this year. Uh, they are outselling Golden Road, Wicked Weed, New Glarus, and Odell. And then, if if that wasn't crazy enough, and granted, like Hard Mountain Dew is only being distributed into into seven states right now. Sure, uh, they've earned as much as the combined sales of Revolution, Rogue, and Three Floyds. Wow, seven states RTDs. Do you have any thoughts on that growing trend? 
All I have to say is watch out for hard surge. Because uh, if we can bring hard surge into the, into the fold, it's going to dominate the marketplace. No, I mean, you know, sure, hard Mountain Dew, whatever, the sales. I, I'm skeptical because we were all saying that uh, hard seltzers were going to be the next big thing that, that completely crushes craft beer, crushes the craft beverage market. And, and look at how sales have declined significantly in the past two years. Um, you know, I, sure, I, I think... I think it's kind of a novelty right now, and, and I, I might be a little out of touch because I'm, I'm in my own bubble, but that's, you know, sure. Hard Mountain Dew is not, I'm, I'm not their demographic. Um, and, but I know that I, I'm not so out of touch in, in saying that there is a significant population that finds that appealing. Now, what I, what I do think that differentiates it, you know, with Hard Seltzer, you at least had kind of this appearance of, um, be, being a healthier option because it has less carbs, sure. whatever. Um, but there's just as much sugar in, in 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 a lot of those beverages, and so it's it's really not. And so, you know, I can see why seltzer took off because it, it had the appearance of being a healthier option. Whereas hard surge just is not apologizing for for <laughs> what it is, and, and and I just don't see that much of the population being like, you know what, I don't care what's in my drink. I'm gonna just like drink this crappy <laughs> soda knockoff that also has just a bunch of alcohol in it. Um, I, I just don't see that sustaining. And so I, I do think the, the, the um, ready-to-drink cocktail market is one that I, I, I would be a little bit more um, watchful of in terms of their growth just because, you know, cocktails are seeing a huge resurgence in general. And if you can make it easier and more accessible for folks to get a quality cocktail, then... Um, you know, to go, then I, I think there's there, that has a lot more legs. In in the Nulu neighborhood in Louisville, uh, right next to West Six, there's this thing, new thing that opened up in the last six months called the local seltzery. Sure. And it, it's just that, like it's it's a seltzery bar. Uh, that that being said, it's not uh, you know carbonated water and yeast seltzer. It's vodka soda. Seltzer, sure. Uh, which I like. I'm fine with it. I love that. Uh, those are always fine to drink on a hot day, whatever. But I guess as as these uh, like Hard Mountain Dew, uh, Topo Chico, big companies, big names, a lot, lot of dollars, being able to put their money and in investments in these distribution um, plans. Is the idea of like a local RTD producer, is that something? Because I always feel like Denver is like a little bit of ahead of the trends on everything sure. else. Sure. Um, do you see that ever happening or has it already happened? I'm oh, it's already it. happening. Uh, we've got one out in Longmont that is doing incredible stuff. Uh, they're still under the radar, but Abbott and Wallace is one to definitely seek out. Um, they make some of the best cocktails that I've had. Like, th- I mean, their cocktails are just phenomenal on their own. And I, if you would have poured it into a glass and handed it to me, I wouldn't have known that it was a canned cocktail. And so... Um, you know, tip top is another one that isn't local, but they're, they have these little like stubby cans and, um, they were able to, to do a a can Negroni, which is amazing. And so, you know, I think that there's definitely a huge opportunity there. You know, I, I, I look at, um, you know, a a cocktail bar like death and co like this iconic cocktail bar out of New York that has a location here in Denver. What, if you were to market a death and co canned cocktail, very much like Topo Chico, like Topo Chico, when they put out their, their hard seltzer, I was like, absolutely, I'm going to drink it because I, I freaking love Topo Chico on its own. Unfortunately, 
it didn't translate. I, 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 I still, I, I am biased in that I, I don't like any of the, the hard seltzers out there except for maybe one brand, the Upslope brand. Um, I think they do a phenomenal job, but I, I just can't get past that kind of like fusily, kind of diesel-y kind of byproduct taste that sure. comes from a lot of the, the hard seltzers that are on the market. But where, where I think that like, you don't, you don't get that as much in, in the canned cocktails that I've tried. And so I think that if you're already a strong cocktail bar, you, you could invest a little bit of money and, and really go hard because there's such a huge opportunity there, there on the market right now. So the, the place in Longmont that you mentioned, do they have like a presence where you can go in and like sit at a bar and drink a cocktail? Yeah, because they were a distillery first. Okay, so I wasn't from, I'm not familiar. So, For sure, so yeah. they're a distillery, they, they have a cocktail program, and they're just like, hey, why not also do these canned cocktails? Too? Totally, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, I think that's the route that you have to take is, is if you're, you start as a distillery, you know, you can have that like intimate kind of uh, memorable tasting room experience. And then you can also, you know, offer this option that people can take home with them or, or have shipped to them in their home states and, and be able to continue to grow that brand um, nationally. So. so this is something that we always like to talk about, though, is like we, we have these peop- like people like you on on the show and we, we talk about beverages and drinking and food and all the, all the good stuff that we like to indulge in. But like outside of drinking culture and all the all the stuff that goes along with that, what else do you like? Like what, what, do, you, what do you do in your off time when you're taking those sober days? Like, yeah. what, 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 are you, what are you up to? So um, <clears throat> I'm definitely a huge sports fan. Uh, and, you know, growing up in Kentucky, uh, obviously I'm a Ken- big Kentucky, University of Kentucky fan, uh, obviously both, both basketball and football. And, um, and so, you know, when it, comes to, when it comes to the fall season, it's, you know, it's Kentucky football, then, then Kentucky basketball all day, every day. Um, Shout out to, uh, to uh, Stoney's. For being my That's right. bar of choice in Denver to see some Kentucky games. Totally, um, you know it's it's funny because I'm actually I feel like I'm a little bit of an odd case in terms of someone who works in the industry. I really try not to drink beer during the week, um, or I try not to drink alcohol during the week. Um, no, that's a, that's a good thing. And yeah, and I, and and I think it's a it's a healthier balance. And so um, you know I. Growing up in Lexington, I was super big into Ultimate Frisbee. Um, there's a great Ultimate Frisbee scene out in Lexington, and and it's you know coming out here. There's a great scene out here as well. But um, you know a huge shout out to the, to the to the Ultimate Frisbee community in Lexington because you know it's it's such a community. It's such an awesome experience growing up, and a great way to be active out there. So uh, I'm really into Ultimate Frisbee. I'm really into you know I'm really into the sports as well. Um, you know, I follow politics a little bit. Charles Booker all the way. Let's go. Uh, and then, uh, but also, you know, I, I spend a lot of time trying to grow what we do with porch drinking. So, you know, I, I really try to make myself available to our writers to help coach them up and, and, and offer pointers and give opportunities from the, for them to grow their career, even if it's not with porch drinking. I want them to succeed in whatever way they can. That's awesome, man. And yeah. it, is, it is really funny because I never really understood the old adage like, if if you like doing it, it doesn't feel like work or you'll never work a day in your life totally or and and i agree with that because like there there are things like i consider ale trail uh and and because i can kentucky commons like it's work but also i'm constantly thinking about it but in a good way like i'm just like oh i just want this to be successful yeah totally i mean like i think i think there are negative aspects of this industry that we have to we can't we can't shy away from and we actually just had an article 
on porch drinking, talking about the, the issues with working in the craft beer industry. You know, it used to be that craft beer was so glamorous and, um, you know, the idea of being able to drink on while you're working or, or enjoy a post-shift beer and, and be able to take home a case of beer every week. You know, sure, that's glamorous in a sense, but it gets old very quickly. And you have to be able to, uh, you know, now as, you know, as we're seeing a, a labor shortage and, you know, a hiring crisis, breweries have to realize that they cannot just get by with the fact that your employees can get, you know, a couple free beers here and there. You know, we have to talk about uh, pay equity. We have to talk about, you know, offering insurance. We have to talk about offering, you know, plans for retirement, um, you know, all of this stuff is really important because, you know, there are so many other options out there right now. And we cannot we cannot just ignore the fact that, you know, we have to be better about treating our employees. Yeah. I mean, that, that's it's it's a it's an issue. Uh, people think that, hey, you get to drink beer. It's not even that hard. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's not even touching on harassment. I mean, obviously, uh, was, yeah, with yeah. Brian Allen and, and, you know, all the light that she shed on, you know, these horrible things that have, you know, sexism and sexual harassment that have happened in this industry. It's, it's continuing to, we need to address this. We have to talk about it on the forefront. Yep. Absolutely. Um, on a, on a much lighter note, I guess on that, uh, we, we have some shared plans today. Yep. What, what are we doing? We are going to the underground music showcase. Uh, it is, I like to compare it to like a, a mini South by Southwest. It's, it's taking place along this South Broadway corridor and essentially thinking the, the idea there is, um, you know, all these bars and restaurants that line the streets of South Broadway get turned uh, turned into a music venue for for the weekend, and you have a bunch of local acts that are performing um, in these venues. But you also have uh, national acts that are being brought in, uh, all kind of indie bands that are are you know not like you know the the big uh, you know iHeartRadio type type uh, performances, but you do have some some major names like I. I remember probably about seven years ago, I saw Lord Huron performing at, at the main stage um, without with only like a crowd of 40 people. Oh, that's awesome. I, didn't, I didn't realize that we were attracting that kind of talent. Yeah, I mean, cool. it's it's definitely evolved around the over the years. But, you know, Denver's music scene is really strong as well. And um, we have some really, really killer musicians that play this every single year. And, and we love seeing them every single year. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of the most fun weekends of the year for me. Uh, my fiance and I, every year that they announce the dates for the for the underground music showcase, we always block out that weekend so that we we don't ever make the mistake of you know scheduling something else over it. But uh, I'm 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 thrilled to hear um, what your experience is like. I'm I'm excited to show you around because you're really with with your uh, with your weekend pass or your day pass, you're able to bop around to all these different venues and check out hundreds of different musicians, uh, you know, within within a, a matter of uh, seconds. It's so. happening here too at Bear. Yes. Tonight. Yes. Like they're, they're Bear, show. Bear does have a number of different uh, musicians performing here. So, um, you know, what's better than seeing incredible musicians while also drinking incredible beer, too? I'm excited. I'm going in blind. I listened to some of the artists on Spotify. I'm excited. I didn't even really understand the concept of it until like an hour ago, though, sure. uh, when, when the bartenders here at Bear were explaining it to me. So I'm really excited. Um, so on that note, anything else that you'd like people to know about? No, I just want to relay that, you know, while I live out here in Colorado now, I just have so much love and respect for the people of Kentucky and the craft beer scene in Kentucky. And, you know, I, I, I'm always so excited to come back and visit um, whenever I do and, and always check out some of the new places that have opened. Uh, and so just 
you know, keep, keep on, keep, keep on keeping on because, uh, you know, I always send people back to Kentucky and, and give them a bunch of recommendations. And I just love seeing how, you know, the scene has evolved over the years. Amazing. And then on, on our notes, uh, we were recently invited to great taste of the Midwest. Uh, that's awesome. We just found out like really just a few days ago that that's going to happen. I've never been before. I hear it's an incredible festival. I don't really seek out festivals that much anymore, uh, but that's going to be a really fun one. I feel like it may be different than anything I've ever experienced before. So, totally. Uh, if you're going there and uh, you see us, let us know. We'll be mostly hanging out with the Fall City crew. Uh, they're going to be pouring our um, our collab that we did with them. It's a Grzyski called Fallsiski, so if you like some some good smoke in your beer, that's going to be the one for you that day. Thanks, Tristan. Really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thank you.